learning how to be able to connect with people, solve a problem that they are experiencing, and get them interested in why your approach is different than the guy they can hire for, you know, $6 an hour on Upwork. This is Debbie, and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research, so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. In this week's episode, I'm so excited to speak with Erin, who is the intentionality expert and founder of Chosen Course. She works with location-independent entrepreneurs to stop the burnout, 24-7 overworking hustle, and start creating scalable businesses and productivity systems so they can enjoy their freedom-loving lifestyle. So listen on to find out how Erin has been able to help remote entrepreneurs become more productive while enjoying their freedom. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to be speaking with my guest today. Hey Erin, how are you? Hey Debbie, I'm great. How are you? I am wonderful. Can you tell us about you and why you live an offbeat life? <laughs> Absolutely. So I have been living an offbeat life, I would say for many years, but really for the last year and a half. My husband and I decided that we were going to finally take the plunge that we had dreamed about since we were first dating and become a full-time digital nomad family. I had traveled a fair amount when I was younger, when I was in, in as a kid and in college and, and all of those kinds of periods. I, I took a long four-month wander through Europe while I was um, in college, basically right after my junior year abroad. I always knew that I loved to travel and that that was something that was important to me. And, and you know, those things that start showing up on, on what most people call a bucket list, I tend to prefer <laughs> the term life list, a little more focused on life as opposed to death. <laughs> um, but uh, it used to be, you know, it was all these items about spend three months here and spend three months there and uh, this country and that country and this island and that location. And finally, you know, after he and I had talked about that for many, many years, we decided that there was no time like the present. And so in October of 2018, we gave away and sold everything we owned. And uh, we have been exploring around. Now, for the last year and a half, and at the moment, we are currently restricted to staying in the United States, which is kind of sad, in my opinion, because of my husband's uh, corporate job. He works uh, remotely for a US-based business, and they do require us to stay in the United States. But it's a huge country, and there are many, <laughs> many areas of it that I had never had an opportunity to, to really visit and, and spend a lot of time in. So at the moment, we are US-based, but once we can retire him from that corporate job, I already have my list of all of the amazing places we will be uh, heading off to next. But we travel the country at the moment in our little Mazda 6. 
no RVs for us. <laughs> so we, uh, we stay in furnished rentals and uh, usually we're in any place for three, four months at a time. Actually, we're currently in Santa Fe, New Mexico for just one more week, but this is the longest place we've stayed. We've been here for almost six months now because of, unexpected, you know, unsurprisingly, the land of quarantine and COVID and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, surprisingly enough for most remote entrepreneurs, this has not really done too much to their lifestyle. I mean, it obviously stops us from traveling. But other than that, we still make money. We still do pretty much what we've done before. And a lot of us always stay indoors anyway. <laughs> Well, I don't know with the always stay indoors, but yeah, we, I mean, we work from home. So yeah, it's, you know, in some ways we have been blessed to not be nearly as dramatically affected as many other families. And I, I do recognize and honor my privilege in that. And that's huge. Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't taken any massive financial hits lifestyle more than anything. It's, it's, we haven't been able to go to all of the museums we would have liked to go to while we were here. And, you know, for anybody who's ever visited Santa Fe, New Mexico, there's this really awesome place called Meow Wolf, which is like an interactive live alternate reality art installation, art experience. And we had gotten our, our memberships for there, figuring we would go pretty darn frequently. And, you know, halfway through our visit here, actually a little less than halfway through our visit, everything shut down. Yeah. So we, we haven't been able to, you know, go and have those kinds of adventures and those kinds of fun. But you know, we do what we have to do. We take care of ourselves. We take care of our community. We wear our masks and we keep on with our life in the best way that we can. And thankfully, things are starting to open up. So this is definitely not something that's too long term and we can get back to our semi-normal <laughs> life, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, and we're, we're planning our next road trip. We're actually leaving one week from today, literally. So probably by the time this goes live, it will already have happened. Because we were supposed to be leaving Santa Fe at the end of April. And we were going to be flying back across the country to visit friends and family in New England, leaving our car behind for a few weeks. And obviously that, that trip got canceled. And so we just decided to stay and extend. But we are leaving next Friday and heading on a road trip up through the Rocky Mountains to Yellowstone National Park and Grand Tetons before we start heading west because we're going to be spending the rest of the summer and fall in Portland, Oregon. Wow. So many beautiful things that you can do. And it's pretty much doable as long as you can get this going right now. How were you able to start becoming a remote worker, remote entrepreneur, Erin, and really start to make this come to life, this life that you want? So my story begins back when I was actually in graduate school. And I started my first business, which was called Living Peace Professional Organizing, when I was 23 and still in graduate school. And that was a definitively hands-on, non-location independent, <laughs> very much you have to show up and go to your client's home or workspace and you're in, you know, you're, you're digging through their stuff. It was professional organizing. A lot of people are familiar with like Marie Kondo, that kind of stuff. Basically, I was doing that work long before anybody had ever heard of Marie Kondo. <laughs> and it was wonderful and lovely and I loved doing it. And then I, you know, after a few years, I was fully booked 
And I realized that I was either going to have to start turning clients away or I was going to have to grow. And so I made the decision to grow that business and I hired on other organizers, first as contractors and then as employees. And I started to grow my team. And I, in fact, grew one of the largest organizing firms in New England over the course of the next several years. And it was soon after that point in time, like basically I started pulling myself out of doing the hands-on and having my team members doing, basically doing most of the, the client work. So I was responsible for you know marketing and growing the business and they were responsible for delivering the services. And it was somewhere right around that point when I began to realize that I really didn't want to run a local service business. <laughs> That I really did want to be able to do work I loved and that I was passionate about, but be able to do it from anywhere in the world. And that was kind of the beginning of my realizing that I needed to figure out a different way. And long story short, over the next several years, I, I began to realize that, that my personal passion was beyond what I refer to as, as the tangible organizing, you know, moving around the stuff in someone's space, and more into the intangible organizing. How do we organize our information, our plans, our decision making? How do we prioritize? How do we get clear on what is most important to us and make sure we stay focused on that and take action on that on a regular basis? And blessedly, since I was you know, shifting my attention to intangible organizing, that makes going online a heck of a lot easier. <laughs> because, you know, essentially what ended up happening was I started my second business concurrent. I was still running my original company, Living Peace, but I started my business Chosen Course back in 2011. I think we're almost out of my 10-year mark on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2011. And initially, I was primarily working with corporations. So I was doing corporate consulting, corporate training, primarily working with uh, C-level executives and doing productivity work with, you know, C-level executives from Fortune 500 companies and beyond. And that was really fun and really engaging, but also often meant that I was still hopping on a plane to fly out to a particular client's site to do an all-day intensive with one of my corporate clients or to do a training for their team. And, you know, there's a point in time at which flying persistently to Cedar Rapids, Iowa is not necessarily your favorite thing to do. (laughs) And um, particularly because my husband and I decided we wanted to start our family, I knew I didn't want to have to be hopping on planes to get paid. And so that was when I decided it was time to shift entirely and basically stop it with any of the in-person work, even if it was travel related, which was fun for a while and then exhausting. And instead, really focus on what I knew best, which was entrepreneurs. And, you know, I, by that point in time, I'd been an entrepreneur for, God, decade plus. And now I'm at 17 years, something like that, that I've been running my businesses. So I realized that the best thing I could do was serve the people I knew best and really support entrepreneurs in building the personal productivity and the business systems that allow them to make running their businesses easier, that allow them to get the things off their plate that aren't, you know, that aren't their best use of their time and skills. 
So that was essentially the, the final piece that fell into place. And then when we became location independent, almost a year and a half ago, almost two years now, that was when I decided to niche even further and really focus on working with other location independent and digital nomad businesses because the needs of these types of online businesses in particular around productivity are somewhat unique. You know, we're dealing with with time zone things in far more dramatic ways. Many of us are running fully remote companies where we're managing teams of people that are you know, spread across the globe. My team currently is on three different continents and in four different countries. So, you know, it's, it's how do we navigate those kinds of challenges? So that's, there's the whole story (laughs) (laughs) bringing us up to today in which I'm literally, I was drafting a contract for a new hire literally today. So, you know, (laughs) it's here we are. So when you decided to do that pivot where you left your organizing company to solely focus on entrepreneurs and now really niched into digital entrepreneurs, remote entrepreneurs, how were you able to land your first few clients? Because that's really one of the big questions that a lot of newbies question, right? How do I make income from this and how do I make this sustainable? Sure, absolutely. Well, I have used so many different strategies over the years because, you know, 17 years, you try a bunch of different things and you see what works. And the answer is all of them work, depending. (laughs) So as I was transitioning out of my organizing business, and I did end up selling that business back in 2015, I sold it to a colleague, so I, I no longer run it, although it does still run. And several, many of the same staff members are still working for it. But when I transitioned, you know, essentially I realized that there are kind of two approaches that happen for a lot of people in kind of the remote work, freelance, online entrepreneur space. There are the folks who figure out what they're good at doing, and then they try and figure out how to find a whole bunch of clients doing it, which usually involves posting on Upwork and applying for Upwork jobs or, you know, any number of those kinds of online remote job database, you know, connection services, that kind of stuff. And I tried that out once or twice. Mostly, I actually, honestly, I tried it out after my maternity leave because I was like, all right, I really don't want to like fully restart my business because I, I, I virtually shut my business down for about six months after my, my daughter was born. And I knew I didn't want to get full time back up to speed because that just wasn't realistic. That wasn't what my family needed. And so I decided I'd kind of test things out on Upwork a couple of times. And so I got a couple of Upwork clients. And you know what? Those don't, those, those, no. <laughs> Let me just say that was, that was not like, that was not the best relationships on the planet. Not that you can't find great employers and great clients and everything on Upwork, but a lot of times you can't charge the premium prices. Think about it. I was working corporate prior to all of that. And, you know, so my clients were paying five figures 
for a contract with me. And most of my Upwork clients were like, you want to charge what? (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, so I think I only worked, I I did a project with one client for about uh, three, four months. And then I had another client that I worked with, uh, you know, kind of on a a consulting and ongoing consulting basis, but it was um, not as, as lucrative as it should have been. So the better answer to your question, podcasts are great. I've gotten plenty of clients from this kind of conversational, you know, putting yourself out there and helping people get a sense of who you are and what you can do. But more than anything, it's really about learning the skills of online marketing and learning how to be able to connect with people, solve a problem that they are experiencing and get them interested in why your approach is different than the guy they can hire for, you know, $6 an hour on Upwork. So, you know, it really, I'm a big fan of, of Marie Forleo and um, Amy Porterfield and, you know, kind of that whole approach to establishing yourself, establishing your expertise and, and attracting, you know, the other thing is I mentioned my husband works for a a U.S. corporation. He actually works for HubSpot, Mm -hmm. which is an online marketing software company. And part of what they're known for is what's, you know, classically now referred to as inbound marketing. You know, it's how do you establish yourself as an expert in something and then show up in enough of the the various places that when people are looking for an expert in that, they end up coming across you. Yeah. And so, you know, personally, I really do believe that that's a stronger and better approach to to getting really quality clients. Yeah, and you're not constantly chasing, right? It's more attracting than chasing. So that is such a great way to be able to put yourself out there and so much better for yourself too in the long run. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No question. So what are some of the best resources that you've used for your business and to make it more easier, your task and more productive? Oh, oh, now that is a huge question, Debbie. (laughs) So uh, before I I go into the answer that I have a feeling you're looking for, I need to preface because I personally, in my expertise as a productivity consultant, having done this work for a lot of years, have a very strong opinion about the fact that most people think I just need the right app. If I could just find the right tool, if I could just, you know, it, all I need is the right software. If I had the right software, then I would, then all this would be easier and I'd be magically organized. And I very strongly believe that that is a myth, that that is something we need to shake off <laughs> because the reality is that I could tell you about, you know, my favorite tools, the coolest tools that I use that I've used for a decade or more. But if you don't have the rest of the system, as I say, that allows you to use the tool effectively, the tool itself will do nothing for you. You know, it's kind of like the classic people say, oh, I need to get organized. You know, we'll, we'll go into the physical realm because it makes so much sense to most people. I need to get organized. So I just need to go and buy some bins. And then you go to, you know, the store and you buy these pretty bins and you toss a bunch of stuff in it. And then you can never find anything because you're really no more organized than you were before. You just hit it all. (laughs) 
it's like it's it's all in some one of these bins which one of these bins is it because if you don't take the time to actually go through the stuff create clarity about this belongs here and this belongs here and here are kind of the 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 organizational system that defines how the bins are working for you then it's not really going to do much for you is it and the same thing's true with our digital systems so you know i can tell you yes i use asana i use evernote i use slack those are things that i basically live in on a daily basis you know, Asana is for our project management with my team. Evernote is where we keep a lot of the content. So like content for video scripts or blog posts, for, you know, email drafts, all of that kind of stuff. That's where a lot of that gets drafted and organized. And, you know, Slack is obviously where we manage a lot of our team communication conversations. But it really, it, you have to have the tool. And then I, I, as I say, there are usually three parts to a system. You need the tool. You need the habits, the human behavioral element of how does it get used. And then finally, the piece that most people never even think about is the mindset. Because if you have beliefs about, for instance, your ability to stay on top of your tasks, you know, I I had a client once who used to say, my to-do list is a horror. She had this personal limiting belief that she could never be on top of her to-do list. And until we addressed that, until we kind of dug that out and helped her to, to overcome and remove, uninstall that limiting belief, there was no system or habits that were going to stick. So it really does take all three. It's the tool, it's the habits, and it's the mindset. And that's what actually makes the difference. And that's part of what I incorporate into my work. Yeah. And it becomes more sustainable when you are able to start putting all of those things together. And for the long term, whether you have this business and then you start something else completely different, if you are able to take that with you, it's always going to work. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, I've I've run two different companies now, two different six-figure or, you know, organizations. And both of them you know, I used roughly the same kinds of systems that I use now in my current business 10 years ago in my previous business. Because, you know, little little modification here, a little tweak there, you know, slightly different roles. You know, it's like in my previous business, we had a lot of professional organizers and I was working on helping them manage their client work. And those were systems that were important. Now in my current business, I'm, you know, I'm doing almost no one-on-one work now. I focus exclusively on uh, on my course, which just launched for the first time this year. And, um, you know, and so now it's all about the marketing and the course and the course delivery and those kinds of things. And so my team now are, you know, the virtual assistant and the copywriter and the graphic design person and, you know, the video editor and all of those kinds of roles. So as your team's roles change, the system will adjust with it but the core functionality and the core structure of it are the same, are basic. Yeah. So let's fast forward to 30 to 40 years from now, Erin, and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? Oh, this is such an amazing question. And it's, it's awesome because one of the things that I love to do 
with my clients is help them ask this question. And so my answer is I want to inspire people to live a life with intention. I want them to question the norms, you know, the things that have been assumed as this is what success looks like. This is what life, you know, these are the steps that you just go through that are, you know, first I graduate high school and then I go to college and then I get a good job and then I work my way up the corporate ladder and then I, you know, get the big house and I get married and the, you know, all of these things that we were, particularly as Americans that we were told, but I think this is, there is some level of this that extends beyond the U.S., that this is what the good life looks like. And I have just heard so many people who walked that road and still ended up miserable. And I genuinely believe that that the more we ask ourselves questions as early in life as possible, I mean, honestly, whenever you, whenever you come to the questions is the right time to come to the questions. But, you know, these are questions I want my daughter to be asking herself by the time she's 12, you know, by the time she's 15. It's what do I want in my life? What's the impact that I want to make? And my desire to help people both ask and find answers to those questions and then design a life, you know, whether that's building a company for themselves or whether that's, you know, finding a company with which they feel highly aligned and be able to, you know, do that work in a way that's utter. I mean, we're a generation that's never, what we can do now has never been possible before. Our ability to work remotely and be able to have the same work, you know, so wherever we happen to be on the planet, no other generations had this chance. And we have the ability in doing this and in living this way to, to essentially become like a beacon that shows others what's possible. So my core is about helping people to live with intention. And part of that is about asking different and bigger questions. And that's, that's truly what I hope that I will help many, many hundreds and millions of people to do. Yeah. And it's also great that you're trying to teach this to the next generation, like your daughter, and then hopefully she'll also take it with her. So it's such a great type of legacy, right? Like what you're giving to your children and the next generation. And then ne- it's it's pretty incredible when that happens. <laughs> it, it really is. And and that's why, you know, it's it's been fascinating to me since becoming a digital nomad and, you know, really steeping myself far more into the community of, you know, location independent entrepreneurs and digital nomads to realize that there kind of is a, there's almost a, a, a separation between what what are what's kind of the considered the digital nomad community versus the world schooling community because world schooling is focused on families and it's focused on kids and it's focused on bringing kids out into the world and giving them a, a global education and a lot of digital nomads are single or maybe they're couples you know and there's like this division between the two and i would personally love to help bridge that division because I see them as a larger group of people who are questioning the norm and who are figuring out how to live their version of life that feels aligned and authentic and powerful and purposeful 
in a very offbeat way. <laughs> it's, you know, it's outside of what kind of the rest of our common culture, our mainstream culture tells us is what life needs to look like. And for a lot of digital nomads who get into it in their early 20s, you know, I've, I've seen these comments and, and soul searching that goes on. It's like, well, you know, if I get married and I have kids, then I'll probably have to settle down. It's like, no, no, you don't. Don't assume that. Question everything. Figure out how to make it work in the way that you want to make it work. I mean, I knew when I met my husband and when I was first starting dating that I wanted travel to be a big part of our life. And that was something, blessedly, he was in very much in agreement with. And it's, I think, one of the reasons why we, you know, why we clicked. <laughs> and even though he hadn't had as many opportunities to travel as I had, that was a value that we shared. And that's, I think, what makes our current life possible is yeah. to find, you know, to find people who have that shared value and who want to live the offbeat life, as you say, Debbie. <laughs> it's great when you find a partner that shares that same type of value like you were talking about, Erin, because it goes a lot better <laughs> in life when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I do acknowledge that I think it made it a little easier that at the time we met and were dating, I was not yet a digital nomad. We, you know, we met and we dated and we lived together in one place for, you know, quite a number of years. We're coming up on our 10th dating anniversary, actually, uh, this fall. So, <laughs> We had that time to establish the relationship. And so I, I have a whole lot of respect for the digital nomads who try and figure out how to both travel and have you know a committed relationship if their partner can't travel with them yet. I will say, however, that I did have prior to meeting my, my now husband, I had a long distance relationship for six years. So I know it's possible. Like I, I know what's possible, even if you, you know, it's the come back and hang out with your your loved one for a period and then you disappear for a couple of months and then you come back and then you disappear for it is possible it's all possible um but yeah the, the time helps it's good to see it that it actually can be possible with listening to your story Erin that we can we can do this as well so if our listeners want to know more about you where can they find you well you can find me at chosencourse.com Otherwise, I'm on IG at Chosen Course or on Facebook. Same thing, Chosen Course. You can find my Facebook page. And uh, those are awesome places to, uh, to connect with me. And we, I do a weekly video. You can actually find us on YouTube as well because now we, we just started doing our weekly videos, which most weeks are focused on productivity-related topics. But once a month, we also do a video of our course update, which is basically, you know, what have we been up to and where have we visited? And, and we're now doing those uh, in a video format that I'm very excited about. That's, that's fairly new. I used to do them all written. So that's the best place, the best ways to uh, follow my journey, follow our journey, and as well as potentially get some, some good ideas and guidance about how to improve yours. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Erin, for being here with us and sharing all of these amazing tips with us. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here with you, Debbie. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Erin. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where she shares how to move from freelancer to entrepreneur. 
Hey listeners, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Lucky for you, I have created a new site that will help you learn how to launch, grow, and monetize your own show. I offer one-on-one mentorship programs and I'm launching an ebook, How to Create a Profitable Podcast, that can help you take your podcast from hobby to profitable business. Visit howtocreateapodcast.com to learn more. Again, that's howtocreateapodcast.com. See you there. Hey, listeners, thank you for listening to this episode, and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey, and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.